first of all, before we really get started in the main part of it, let's go over here a minute to uh, Luke chapter 11. There's two verses in Luke I want to show you here quickly, and then we'll get into the main part of what I want to talk to you tonight about. And by the way, thank you just for being the young people that you are. You're a very inspiring group to me and my wife. We love you dearly. We appreciate you. And it wouldn't be the same without you, but you all seem to have a different, uh, I think. Now, this is something that I'm talking about me now, 40 years in ministry. You guys are the most mature youth group I think we've ever had. Now, Jessica's group was close. That was Jessica, my daughter, and Brandy, and who Dustin Dustin Flock who pastors now that age group that group that went through my church then but I think overall you guys are way out there yeah you know that is those who come regularly and participate with us and help us here and uh, you know it's just wonderful see we couldn't do we couldn't do like Jordan just turn it over even if I wasn't here it's evident you guys have amongst yourselves enough musicians leadership and announcement persons and people who could preach that even if I didn't show up, you could have a good service. You know, you see what I'm saying? And that's what we're after, maturing people to be effective ministers. We don't just want to train you to attend church the rest of your life just to attend church. We want you to be able to know what you're doing and have spiritual insight into things, have maturity. And thank God you can bring people to church, and I can pray for them. I can rebuke the devil. And so, but you ought to learn to do that with me after a while. You've been with me. I'm putting into you everything that I know. And this is really uh, kind of critical back to the Bible college for just a minute. I'm not harping on it, but I want to say something. I just feel like, you know, uh, I'm not going to go home anytime soon, not planning to. But I know that I'm getting older now. I'm 63, and, you know, I've got another 30 years maybe. The Lord, if the Lord tarries and I want to stay that long and so I'm not got as much time as I had when I started in this to get over to people what I know yeah. plus thank God I'm not bragging but I've had 40 years for God to put stuff in me yes. right. and I've been a very studious person most of those years to study and learn and grow and get under the right people so I feel this is my time to impart whatever I know into you and it'll, it'll be different you know Bible school is a little different environment than a regular service um, it'll be a little different than mentoring even it'll be similar to mentoring class that we have but it'll be a little different and I've structured the Bible school different than any Bible school we've ever had this will be my third Bible school we had one in the 90's for five years we had one 2002 to 2006 or 7 I don't remember the exact dates but for four or five years, maybe more. And, but this one is going to be entirely different. And so, and I know with my daughter-in-law, Lauren, I asked her, I said, whatever you do, honey, I want you to make a way to come to my teachings in the Bible college because you're going to need it for ministry someday. See, this is where I'm coming from. So anyway, I hope that helps you make your mind up or think about it better and stuff like that. Okay? Let's go to Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying, this is Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So what I wanted to say about that was that when they heard Jesus pray, 
that somehow touched their hearts in such a way. Notice they didn't say, uh, you know, teach us the word right now, although that's important, or teach us other things, how to preach, but teach us to pray because they knew in the sound of Jesus' voice as he prayed to the Father that he was making a connection. See, there was something about the way Jesus prayed that he made a connection. And they discerned that in their hearing. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Or like John taught his disciples. Then go quickly to Luke 18 with me. And you're going to say, well, Pastor, do we have to uh, look at all these scriptures? No, we get to look at these scriptures. And they'll help you as you as, uh, you know meditate on them in your own personal life. So we're going to let Jesus teach all of us to pray a little further tonight. And I'm going to do my part to teach you to play to pray and I want to say we're really teaching you about bringing your supply in prayer yes. we're talking about having camp meeting I don't know how much uh, camp meeting that's right isn't it camp camp. camp. and we're going to meet that's a camp meeting Yeah, <laughs> camp hyphen meeting okay but anyway uh, I don't know how much really that it costs us to do this every year but it is quite expensive and a lot of labor intensive especially for many of you that help get us there and set stuff up and make preparations and like Dee just you know staying over on Sundays or coming back after lunch doing whatever he's doing and all of you to have respective positions and stuff that you do so this is a major event for our church and we want it to be successful we want lives to be changed. We don't want to just come camp and say we got a tan, we swam, and I fell out in the spirit once up at the altar. That's all fine too, but we want it to mark people. And we've got to pray, this is my point, we've got to pray correctly in order for the speakers to speak correctly. I'll show you that in just a minute. And so this is why I'm going to teach you on this. You can do this and should do this for every special meeting. You know, I'm having my kind of my special meeting here in August this year in August 13th through 16th and most of my sons uh, the sons in the ministry will be here with their families some of them are bringing their whole staffs like Pastor Dennis who lives halfway across the United States and so you know they're spending a lot of money to come here I want that meeting to be the best it can be too it's a little different setup than camp but still yet you know it's like camp without bugs but anyway <laughs> I'm teasing you yeah it's pretty good <laughs> hallelujah so you could take what I'm going to teach you in just a minute here and you could start praying once we get through camp or even start now praying some for my meeting well and any meetings that we're having here. Yes, See, because it takes prayer to get things done. Now I'm in Luke 18 here and it's at verse 1. He spake a parable unto them, Jesus did, to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, that we should not be 24-7 praying, but we should always have a spirit of prayer about us, and we should have our prayer life plugged in, I would say, daily. And one translation says, don't cave in. See, sometimes we can get all excited about prayer because we hear a message about prayer, and we should be excited, and we should respond, but it shouldn't be a two-day response, and then we forget about it for six more months. <laughs> And then that's not good. Your prayer life needs to be an ongoing daily walk with God. Some days you'll have more time to pray. 
You know, I've prayed up to four or five hours without stopping a few times in my life. I don't do that every day. I don't have that kind of time every day. But I do have a prayer life, and sometimes it consists of 30 minutes. Sometimes it consists of an hour and a half. Sometimes it's consisted of several hours on my face in the middle of the night when God got me up to pray for somebody that was about to be killed the next day in my church. And they were in a serious automobile accident. And the Lord showed me the whole thing. He showed me the accident and showed me who it was. And I began to pray until I hit a note of victory. Most of that praying was done in the spirit or praying in other tongues. But we got it. And when I knew that a person was going to be all right, I stopped praying. And the very next day, a person had an accident right over here on Blackston Mill Road. And the EMT said, when we come upon an accident and see your truck or van, whatever it was, in this condition before we ever get out of the ambulance, we figure we got to get a body bag out for the person involved in that. And all that person had was some, a couple bruises where the straps of the, uh, you know, the seatbelt grabbed him when he was hit. So praise God. See, and it's not about just us. It's about helping other people too. So this is why, you know, Jesus told us here that, that we ought to always pray and not to faint, not to give up on praying, not to give up on our prayer life. It's not that every day I get up and I have a, that a dramatic uh, result, but I've had those results several times over a course of years now. I had a guy go into a creek in his car, and it's a wonder he didn't drown. But God woke me up three different times within two or three weeks, had me pray over this person. And the last time I prayed, I, saw, I felt he had victory. The third time, I didn't know, I knew who I was praying about, but I didn't know what the incident was going to be. And he called me that morning and said, you know, I want to call you and tell you that I'm okay, but I had a serious accident. My car rolled over in the creek. I was able to crawl out the window before the water got into me and said, I'm alive and doing well. And I said, well, I've been praying for you for about three weeks now. I've had three different evenings when God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to get up and pray for you. And again, most of my praying was done in the spirit because I didn't have any preconceived knowledge in my brain that that was going to occur. I just knew the person. He's a fellow pastor, and I knew he was in danger of some sort. Again, I didn't know everything, but I knew enough to pray, and the Lord brought the end result, which was his life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, we're talking about our supply in prayer. Let's go over to Second Corinthians now, chapter 1. We're going to start kind of getting down into the, the meat of what I want to talk to you about. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're talking about you and I bringing our supply in prayer uh, to a meeting where we've prayed about it before we got there. And uh, not everyone, unfortunately, is bringing a supply of prayer or the right supply so you know if somebody doesn't know how to pray you wouldn't know where to start hardly but we know I'm going to show you how I'm going to give you a word for all this but here in 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11 it says King James first you also helping together so he's writing to other people you also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. So he says here, this is what I want us to see, you are helping together 
when you pray for us. Now, Paul's talking about as a preacher, you're praying for him. But let's look at it a little, a little differently. Let me read the Amplified Bible of verse 11. While you also cooperate by your prayers for us, helping and laboring together with us, thus the lips of many persons turned toward God will eventually give thanks on our behalf for the grace, the blessing of deliverance granted us at the request of the many who have prayed. So God's saying, I can get things delivered to people and get people delivered out of certain things by you helping by your prayer life. And don't ever think because maybe you don't know everything somebody else knows or you haven't been at it that long that you can't be effective. You can be as effective as you want to be if you're sincere and in faith and you'll listen tonight. I can give you some pointers of how to pray for the speakers because uh, we could pray for the musicians this way, but particularly the speakers that are bringing the word of the Lord to us in this camp meeting, in our camp, our camp meeting, you know what I mean, out of camp. And so here's something to think about according to this verse. We are helping and laboring with each other, therefore we need each other. You know, I've been to some meetings before where there was preparation made on behalf of the church or the group or whatever where I was going to preach. And man, that just took me into another dimension. Then there's been other meetings I went to, preached the same message. I'm the same person. I had the same level of dedication to the second meeting as I did the first one, and we just couldn't go anywhere hardly. I mean, I did my best that I could from the level I was coming at it, but they didn't give me any help coming into the meeting, if you understand that. Sometimes people are real perceptive. Sometimes they're dull of hearing. Like Hebrew says, you know, I couldn't speak to you certain things because you were dull of hearing. Now, why were they dull of hearing? Well, they weren't, they weren't being sensitive to prayer, and they weren't being prayed up people. Where when you pray, you pray, even if you just prayed in the Spirit a little more, you know, as you're learning to pray in the Spirit, your spirit, man, gets sensitive to things on the inside of you that your brain doesn't know, but it'll tune you up. I'm using some common language you can understand. It'll tune you up where you go to a meeting, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're just, you've already brought a supply to that to that meeting and to the minister and the musicians and just everything's different because you made preparation. You know, this year I said to Dr. Dufresne, I said, I, I know anymore we don't do weekend meetings a whole lot with you, doctor. We've done week meetings and, and, uh, and I'm willing to do that if that's what you want. But I would like to ask you a personal favor from me and that is you would come to my church and teach on the ministry of the prophet and you can teach on the ministry of the apostle if you like to. But I said specifically the prophet and I want you to come do some mentoring classes with me. And he said, you know, I'll do that for you. So he came and did it, and every meeting I've seen him in since, he reminds me of that. He said, Michael, you asked me to come do that mentoring class. Had a profound effect on my spirit. That's what he said to me. Had a profound effect on my spirit. And, uh, and he, since then, he's went, well, I went with him down to Nashville. I met him there. And he said, these classes are like that mentoring too. And then Pastor Debbie Simons just told me at our uh, anniversary celebration we just had that he'd been talking to them about myself and Pastor Jay helping him do some mentoring class. I haven't heard about it from doctor yet, but that's not the point about me. The point is that, see, we hit on something. Then I began to pray that God would use him in a significant way here. Amen. 
in the ministry of the prophet and the apostle that he walks in to bring a level of something that we needed. And he did. <laughs> and maybe others prayed with me. I don't know how many prayed or didn't pray, but I'm just talking to you here. Because there has to be help coming, according to this, you help together by prayer for us. You know, most people say, can you help me? You think I'm talking about money, but that could be the least thing I need. I, I might need your prayers more than anything. I asked you for prayer just recently. Like last Sunday night or Tuesday night or whenever it was, I said, hey, could you spend a little extra time in prayer for me? And I know that many of you are doing that, and I appreciate it. It's having an effect on me. Hallelujah. So my point is we need each other. It's not, this church is not about just me. And it's not even just about my family. We bring a tremendous supply to it, but we should. We're the leaders. So, you know, we, we're walking out what we're called to do. And I'm not bragging on that. I'm just saying I'm, I got a lot of responsibility. And, and so there's a privilege in prayer. There's a responsibility in prayer. There's an obligation, we could say, to pray for our leaders. You know, I heard somebody say, I don't know who said it now, but sometimes they said when we get to heaven, some of the leaders that fell, that didn't make it to the end and got in trouble along the way, whatever kind of trouble they got into is irrelevant. But the, that I heard somebody say, but the Lord's going to require some of those churches to be in judgment for not taking care and praying enough for their leaders. And they became vulnerable. Now, I know there's personal responsibility on everybody's plate, if you follow me. So I'm not throwing it at you or any particular... But there has to be a responsibility, if you're in a local church, to pray for your leaders. And pray for the people who speak to you to have the heart of God. So it comes down to this. Each person, according to First, Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.11, each person should bring a spiritual supply. Hallelujah. Be an aid and a help, not a detriment. Can you imagine what happens when you have church full of people? Say you have 200 people here and only 25 of them have prayed and 175 just fall into their seat, kind of just hope they got there on time and they're half kept and they're none read in the scriptures and haven't, haven't even talked to God for the day and they arrive on Sunday morning and expect Jessica and me and a couple other people to take them to heaven. What a low way to think and what a low way to live. I'm not throwing that at you, but you need to listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. But what if you had 150 people that had prayed up and you're only carrying 50 of that out of the 200 instead of you're carrying, you know, 175 of them, you know. Uh, so it makes a difference if you pray and it makes a difference because you're, you're, you're bringing your supply in other ways too, but in prayer particularly, I'm talking about that. And... Um, Praise the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. Let, let, me, uh, let me go over here and show you something in Acts chapter 12. Look at this with me a minute. Acts chapter 12. And um, we'll begin in verse 1 here. And I want you to see how a powerful prayer is, especially for the leaders. I'm talking about prayer when we're praying for our leaders. And I'm getting to the point in just a minute to talk to you about how to pray specifically for those coming to minister to us at camp. That's what I'm getting to. But let's just see here what happens when people don't pray versus when people do pray for the leaders. We have a scriptural example here in Acts chapter 12. Now about verse 1. Now about that time Herod the king, this, he's the bad guy, not because he's a king but because he's corrupt. He stretched forth his hands 
to vex certain of the church. In other words, he moved to harass the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He cut his head slick off. The Bible doesn't say that, but history does. So Herod, this king, was wicked, and he hated the church and was sent to, I mean, not sent, he, he began to harass the church of Jesus Christ. And he killed James with the sword. And because he saw, verse 3, it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. So he, he already did away with one of their leaders, and now he's got uh, Peter, and he apprehended him, verse 4, and put him in prison, and delivered him to four quarter neons of soldiers to keep him. This is a big group of soldiers that are assigned to keep him, uh, keep him in prison, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer... Notice this, you might want to underline this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And finally the church kind of woke up and said, you know, my God, they've killed our, uh, you know, the pastor at, at, at uh, Jerusalem here. This is who this was. If I got the story right, I'm pretty sure. And now they got Peter and they're going to do the same thing to him in a day or two. They're going to cut his head slick off. And so they're about to lose one of their key leaders. And they kept him in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. There's a lot of teaching in this, but I want you to see the church begin to pray. And they were, they were ruthless about not turning loose of this until they got victory. Yes. Something about this. And when, when Herod, verse 6, would have brought him forth, that is Peter, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, He's serious about keeping him. And kept before the, uh, the door, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. He was like in the inner sanctuary of the prison, way in there. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison, smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Cast your garment upon you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And and wist not, he didn't understand that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he was having a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leads unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of all the expectation of the people of the Jews. In other words, they were going to execute him that day, but that night the angel came and delivered him. Chains dropped off his hands supernaturally. Doors opened to himself like down at Walmart. Back, isn't that right? And the bank and places like that where you go in. Sure. And, and, and he finally came to himself out there, and it says, He delivered me, verse 11, out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Now, it said earlier that Herod stretched forth his hand to do certain things to the church, but now it says the Lord has delivered him from the hand of Herod and from what the Herod planned to do to him. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. See, these people were praying for him to be delivered. God sent an angel and delivered him. Hallelujah. So you got one leader dead, but then they sort of woke up to it. 
And how many know we need our leaders? And the supply is to pray and ask God to protect that leader and to help that leader. And, uh, you know, words and prayers spoken negatively can affect you. See, some people don't understand spiritual things. Some things I say people don't understand. Instead of trying to just wait and stick around a little bit so they could understand it, they begin to be critical of me and say things. And, you know, if I don't say anything contrary to that, which I do, I'm praying the Word all the time, then that can affect somebody. Hallelujah. But we can see from prayer people can get delivered supernaturally. You think about that. He's on death row. He's inside... You know, he's on lockdown. He's, got, he's chained to soldiers. He's sleeping so soundly the angel's got to slap him to wake him up. I'd say he's got his cares rolled on the Lord. You know, you think about it, and they already proved that they would do it because Herod cut off James's head. And um, so, but he's, he's certainly not worried about it, evidently, from with his behavior. But that's because the church was praying, and God sent an angel in there and got him delivered out of all that mess supernaturally you know how did they escape the prison without somebody else hearing them I don't know maybe God made them all deaf for a minute I don't know it just happened I believe it happened just like it said and Peter went on lived out much of his life you know and wrote letters to the church first second Peter a lot of other things so we're talking tonight about praying and how to pray for our leaders now I want you to look at something in Ephesians with me Ephesians 6 thank you so much I hope you're learning something with me. And this is how we can begin to bring our supply in prayer. And there's just a real simple message. I've just got a few more scriptures, and it's not going to take real long, but it's so vital. It starts in Ephesians 6, verse 18. And Paul says here, Praying always with all prayer, with all... It should read, the Greek says, the Greek New Testament, which was what the Bible was written in in the New Testament praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit or asking God and and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints so this telling me that we need to pray and we need to pray for all saints and of course that would include the preacher and then it says in verse 19 here and Paul speaks and for me as the preacher that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There's two things here primary that you need to ask for when it comes to the speakers. I'm just one of the speakers. In fact, I think I'm only speaking one night. Well, I'm moving in the Holy Ghost. I'm available for that at any service, I know. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But according to this, this says you do two things. Seven you, speakers. Huh? Seven, seven speakers. Yeah, we got seven speakers all together. So we ought to be praying from now until then, Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. And we're going to pray for God to give utterance to the speakers. Now, utterance... Uh, can come through study but it doesn't necessarily come through study it comes by the Holy Ghost to the speaker and he begins or she begins to speak under that inspiration of the Holy Ghost and gives divine utterance to things now that could be revelation to the group they're talking to 
or it could be things like that where all of a sudden everybody goes, man, I never saw that before. Or it could be, like in my case many times and others too, divine utterance can come in the gifts of the Spirit. Things that I didn't know in my head before I got there. I remember just a couple years ago I was in a meeting out of camp with you and I didn't have any preliminary quickening this was going to happen. But I got in the spirit up there and I looked back down this row and uh, there sat Brianna Burns. See, this looks like she looks right now. But there was something added to that time when I looked at her and that was this spirit was attached to her. And I said, uh, Brianna, would you let me minister to you a minute? And she stepped out in the little aisleway there. And I kind of yelled like I do when I minister to people. I said, come out of her. And I saw that thing leave. But here's the real uh, fruit of it. I saw her life change. And I think any of you that's known Brianna, she was not a bad person before that, but she had something attached to her by the devil that has to be discerned normally and cast out. See, that's part of that divine utterance. Are you listening? So when we, when we pray for people to be used, we can't pray with exception on there. Say, well, now use him to speak, but we don't want him moving in the Spirit. No, you do. If somebody has something from the Holy Ghost, and I'm not embarrassing you, am I? No, but she, something from the outside had gotten a hold of her. I don't know how it got there. Don't need to know. I'm just glad it's gone. I've seen her behavior change and her come up higher and higher. And now her brother's saved. Is he here tonight? No, he's not here tonight. But her, her mother got saved recently. Her sister got saved. and I saw her attitude change. She came with a little girl that came to our church sporadically at best when she was younger. And she fell away from the church, as far this church anyway. And I'm not against her, but she's not here anymore. But she stayed and has got their deliverance. And now she's moving ahead with God. I'm not taking credit for it either. I'm not the deliverer. I'm the FedEx guy or the UPS guy. But see, if you'll pray for me and the other speakers, whatever they have, that God would give us divine utterance, that either what we're preaching or what we're moving in supernaturally will come from God is divine. What Didn't it say that? Yes, Let me read it again. And that utterance may be given me, be given unto me. So he didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. It didn't all come just by study and hard work, but it was given to him for that meeting. Yes, See, it could be life and death what meeting you get into. What if she hadn't have been in the meeting? What if I hadn't been in that meeting? What if the other speakers didn't discern something? I'm not saying they wouldn't. I'm just saying what if, if she came and went and she's doing all she knows, but something was lacking fully that could have happened that didn't happen because nobody's praying for a divine utterance to flow here. See, there's a lot to think about here. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in meetings with Dr. Dufresne. And he didn't know anything other than the Holy Ghost, and he just read my mail. I was one time, I went to the doctor, this is about year 2000, and uh, my doctor never called me at home ever for anything. And he called me at home and said, you know, Michael, you, you need to come back. And I just had a physical. And he said, your blood is really messed up. And I said, well, you know, he knew I'd had 
hepatitis C in my life back as a drug addict. And back in 70, 70, well, 69, 70, right in some like that. Now it's 2000, 2000. And he's calling, telling me. I said, well, just shoot straight with me, Doc. I can handle it. He said, well, I don't want to really talk to you about it over the phone, Michael, but I just want some more blood out of your arm. You need to come back and give me more because yours is really messed up, and it doesn't look good at all. Well, you can imagine where my head went. The devil started working on me. And I, and I thought to myself, to the doctor, and I said, well, Doc, I'm going on a meeting this week. This was like Wednesday. You wanted me to come tomorrow. I said, I, I can't do it. I'm going out of town Friday. I'll be back next week. Monday or Tuesday, I will come see you and take all the blood you want. He said, all right, but you better get back in here soon. So I went to this meeting in Alabama at Pastor Scott Webb's church, and I didn't have a chance to, I didn't call doctor and tell him all about it. I was going to tell him when I saw him or put it in a little note and give it to an usher and say, well, give that to doctor for me and tell the usher who I was. But I didn't even get a chance to do that first meeting. It was all these preachers sitting here. I was back 10 rows probably at that time at this meeting. They were all preachers, 50 of us or more there, maybe even 80. And doctor was preaching along, and he stopped. He froze. He, got, he was in a trance like that. He just stopped. And then he goes, Pastor Jacobs, where are you at? And I, I said, I'm back here, sir. He said, stand out in that aisle. He said, the Lord shows me you got something wrong in your body. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I know you believe in angels. There's one standing behind you. He's been sent to fix that. About that time, that angel hit me in the head, and down I went. And when I got up, I was different. And when I went back to my doctor, he took blood, and he called me two days later and said, it's perfect. I don't understand what you did. but Now, see, that was a divine utterance from my spiritual father. Just picked that up in the Holy Ghost and delivered it and got me ministered to. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. And some people I tell that to, and they, they maybe act like, oh, I don't believe a word of it. Well, don't believe it, but I believe it, and it happened. Yeah. And it happened just the way I'm telling you. Yeah. And if I could get my doctor to come stand up here and tell you about it, I would, because he can tell you the truth. Yeah. That's just what happened. Yeah. So we're talking about praying just about like this. Father, we just lift up all the speakers in the camp meeting at camp ask you to deal with them even tonight and in the following days and weeks that you'll prepare their hearts, Father, that you would give them utterance that they need to speak to us, that will minister to us and edify us, help us and get us delivered. Whatever it needs, Father, whatever we need, we believe the anointing to rest on them and we lift them up, that they will move with you in the Holy Ghost and speak out of their mouth the utterances that you give them and that it will be everything that we need. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, I just prayed it. That's all you got to do. And then if you like, you know, if you're, you know, really eager person and a diligent person like myself and maybe many of you are, you could just say, And you just pray a little in the Holy Ghost. That God use your praying in the Holy Ghost for the speakers. You know, and if you could isolate some time, spend some time alone praying or as a small group either way you know that's good too like 30 minutes or 40 or an hour or maybe that's too much for you right now but maybe 5 or 10 or 15 and uh, you know we're talking about some things here second thing he says to pray in verse 19 here is for boldness say boldness, boldness. 
Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we're reluctant to minister. We have been at times, maybe. I'm not so much that way anymore, of course. But at first, because, you know, God gives you something, it may be a little difficult to deal with. And you wonder if people are going to accept it or reject it or, you know, whatever. I remember one time in Otisco, that's a city. I pastored there for four years and I came one Sunday morning, but I'd been praying Saturday night for a couple hours in the sanctuary by myself. And I saw, I saw one of my members, it was a lady, and I saw her thinking about committing suicide. So I, I, but I, I, I got in church that day and God said, I want you to give that as a word of knowledge. And so I gave it and I waited because, you know, I didn't know if anybody's going to respond to that or not. <laughs> and you know what? She came. She got delivered. I was in California about five years ago and I had the same word. Of course, I didn't know who it was for. I didn't know if it was male or female. And, uh, it was a gentleman, a man. He's about, uh, probably then about 35, maybe maybe even 40. He he came. I said, there's somebody here and you're thinking about committing suicide. Don't do that. Come forward and let me minister to you. You're going to be all right. And he, man, just touched me. He began to weep as he came forward. And um, <clears> he <throat> been through a divorce. And... Uh, this Tory's family wide open. His wife left him. I think he had two children. And he got the kids, so, you know, he must have been right. I don't know what was wrong with her, but but he just so depressed. He just, just felt like he was giving up. And then I was in California down at Dr. Dufresne's the next year or two at his meeting. I was in a grocery store, and he came around the corner and saw me and started crying. Hallelujah. See, those are hard utterances to give in a setting like that. You think, who's going to respond to that? Everybody's going to think they're crazy. Everybody's going to think they're weak. But you know, those of us who know God, we don't think that. We just think you're smart to respond to something that God gives to help you. I mean, if I called out a, you know, a bad right ankle and you know you'd had problems with it, you would respond, wouldn't you? You wouldn't think a thing about it. People can be sick in their head too. Like they're sick in their body. So I'm just talking to you a minute, and you need to pray for the speakers. They have boldness. Maybe it's not a word of knowledge. Maybe it's not discerning. Maybe it's just the word they're giving to teach people, and it needs some umph on it. Yeah. And you pray for them to have boldness to speak that, yeah. you know, and it begins to get inside people and make them free. Yeah. The word you preach, under an anointing, it'll do that. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even have to lay hands on people in some settings. But I'm just talking. I'm giving some illustrations as I'm talking. Hallelujah. We, we got here at 7 tonight. It's 8 o'clock. So how long have I been speaking? Does anybody know? 30? Huh? Keep going. I got a little more here for you. These are ways you can pray for speakers. You can pray for me every week like this. Uh, you can pray for whoever we're having. If we have special. But I'm talking about praying for camp. So, Father, we just lift up, Father, all the speakers to you tonight, and we ask you to give them a spirit of boldness. 
spirit of boldness on them, Father, to come on them, to encourage them, to lift them up into the realm of the Spirit, to let them speak with authority and power and boldness in their life. In the name of Jesus, we pray, for lives to be changed, lives to be touched, lives to be changed by the power of the living God as these speakers minister to us. So we thank you for these seven speakers, including myself, that you will give us boldness, Father, to speak what needs to be said and that they'll speak with clarity and they'll speak with unction of the Holy Ghost on them, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost a minute. And Father, I pray tonight, we pray tonight that every person who has a heart to come to be in this camp that has some inkling from the Holy Ghost in them to come and maybe they're having a hard time with the money or having a hard time with their parents letting them go or whatever the case may be. May that get resolved, Father, and may they be able to come and experience you on this level in our camp. And we ask it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Not only in our group, but all the groups that are planning to come, Father. In the name of Jesus. I just sense there's some young people out there that maybe are wavering because of the money or their parents are giving them a hard time or whatever, that they will come and be able to come and come with a good spirit and good attitude and come hungry, that they'll come hungry for the things of God. Praise God we can have a good time, recreation and all that kids, the young people do to swim and play games. We're thankful for all of it. But that everybody will come because they want to meet with you, Father. And they want to be touched by you. And they want to be changed by you. And we ask you to help us, Father, in Jesus' name. To have the best meeting we can have in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So we're going to pray for the pastors and the speakers to have divine utterance. And we're going to pray for the speakers and the pastors and ministers to have boldness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now let's go over here to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, we want to read verses 1. One and two and three. Hallelujah. You learned anything tonight? <laughs> There's a, a lot we could say about all these things, but these are things that we've walked in for a while and seen happen it for a while. And praise the Lord. Praise God for, forevermore. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, notice this written by Paul. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course 
and be glorified even as it is with you. What are we praying here? We're praying that the Lord would cause the word to have freedom to get out of the speakers into the hearts of the people and dig down in them and minister to them whatever it is they need. Have free course. Not be uh, uh, blocked. Not be stifled. Not be hindered. That the word of the Lord have free course. You know, sometimes we can think we're doing pretty good, but then when the word of the Lord comes through an anointed speaker, if we're not careful, we can put up roadblocks to that. Like, well, that's not me. Certainly that's not me. But all the time God's trying to deal with us and pull back the layers and say, hey, we're t I'm talking to you. Let the word have free course to get in you and work in you. That's my point. And, and, and all the time realizing that, that you're going to get edified. You're going uh, to get blessed when you do that. And so from this scripture here alone, we can tell that sometimes maybe the word of the Lord does not have free course if we don't pray that it would have. How many know the word of God's powerful? How many know the word of God's kind of, in a sense, we could say it's in layers and levels, different levels and different layers. And I know I'm still using not the same identical Bible. I wore that Bible out a long time ago, but the same scriptures I've been studying for 40 years and I read it again, I go... Man, I never saw it like that. Wow. I, I got something out of that. You know what I mean? And I've been reading it for 40 years or longer. And so that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. You know, when the word gets in you and gets glorified, something happens. Hallelujah. And then verse 2 says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. That means all men have not the God kind of faith. Now notice they were praying. Paul asked that church to pray for him that the word of the Lord would have free course and be glorified and that he and his comrades or other preacher friends that were with him may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. Now... We're not talking so much about wicked people, but we are talking sometimes unreasonable people. Sometimes people come and they're not so righteous and they're unreasonable. They, they, you try to teach them the Bible and they're wrestling with the Word of God. They're arguing with the Word, not just with me, but with the Word of God that we're teaching. They're unreasonable. And if they stay unreasonable, they're untouchable. You know what I'm saying? Like last year, the year before we had a bunch of people, I think Liz, Joe... You know, Joe that's married to Liz had him, had him outside under a streetlight getting him filled with the Holy Ghost that came from a church. I didn't even believe it. So, you know, you're dealing first with all the confrontation. Like, well, we don't believe that at our church. But there was something in the Word that was getting in this guy, and he started getting hungry to learn. And Joe took him aside and talked to him a little bit, you know, in a good way, and explained some things to him. And he was outside under a streetlight speaking in tongues. And I think all the young people there from Pastor Sandy's church got spirit-filled, and none of them were when they came, but every single one of them got it while they were there. Of course, the pastor got called on the carpet when he got home at first, but in the long term now, some of those same deacons are realizing those young people have been changed since last year. And they're coming back. And more kids. See, now, the, now they, 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 maybe the kids weren't so unreasonable, but they could have been initially because maybe afraid of something they don't understand. Then when they got back home, the pastor caught it from the deacons, and they were being unreasonable now. You see? 
And then God dealt with them by observation of those same young people over a year's time, how they've lived, how they've grown up, how they've come up higher, how they behave. And they, they said, well, there must have been something to it because look at these kids. So what I'm saying is we're praying against this unreasonable attitude. You know, even myself, even all of us, I don't know how many times I've been to camp in my life. Uh, not always as a camper, but as a speaker or whatever. But quite a lot, quite a while. I've been to quite a few camps in my day. Even went to a Church of Christ camp one time. I said, surely you got the wrong guy. You don't want me to come speak, do you? Yeah, and, and the guy said, yeah, I want you to. I said, you know I cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and prophesy to people? Yes, sir, we know you. I said, well, you sure you got the right guy? Yeah, we want you to come. And I never will forget that night I went. I, I, it was a four-hour trip from here in a vehicle. I drove myself up there. I prayed in tongues the whole way there, four hours. I got a little nap once I got there, and I had the first meeting that first night, and there was about 10 or 12 people at that camp. And I never will forget this little, well, I, she wasn't so little, but, but what I mean is she was a young lady. This was 30 years ago almost now this happened. She's about 17 years old. She leaned over and whispered in my ear, can you help me? And I said, well, I will if I can. And I said, what's wrong? And she whispered in my ear again, said, I cannot think anything but filthy thoughts. And I said, I can help you. And I laid hands on her and rebuked the devil. And she fell out on the floor in front of all those Church of Christ people, chairs flying everywhere, shook around on the floor for a few seconds and, and finally came to herself and got up delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was worth the whole trip, her deliverance. Because she said, something's got a hold of my mind. I, I, I'm not able to think anything clean. Well, I knew from that, I didn't go into big detail with her, that she'd probably been exposed to something or been involved in something and uh, opened herself up to some kind of behavioral problem and a thought problem. And so we got her free in just a matter of a few seconds. And then others, and then I had several words of knowledge for the different ones that were there besides her, and they started responding. But they, you know, a Church of Christ normally doesn't have a prayer line. And they certainly don't have somebody moving in the Holy Ghost with a word of knowledge, typically, or somebody falling out like that. I mean, you know, you just think it'd freak them all, it would have freaked them out. But instead, they lifted their hands when they saw the power of God on that young 17-year-old girl and began to worship. So, Hallelujah. See, we've got to learn to respond correctly and we've got to learn to pray correctly. And we can do that in Ephesians and First Thess uh, 2 Thessalonians here, 1 through 3. Look at verse 3 for just a minute. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. What a verse. The Lord will establish us and keep us from evil. You can pray all of this, and we should be praying this as we bring our supply in prayer right. to a meeting. So, hallelujah. Won't you stand up with me a minute? <clears throat> and I wanted you to just pray with me a minute.